0: Welcome to SEG Church's podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. We also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. Thanks so much for listening.
1: we are so glad that you joined us tonight and if you're joining us online we want to give you a very special welcome it's great to see you um so we got a we got a guest here tonight with us so let's get started come on and serve a God that is always working. He is always healing. He is always present. He is always with us. And there's so much hope that is found in that. So we're going to worship him today. We're going to sing these words. And I just encourage you, just remember that our God is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. That is who he is. So let's worship
2: together.
1: You are He. You're moving in. worship you, I worship you, you are here, you're working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, come on, sing it out, you are here, you're moving in on me, Yes you are I, I, worship worship you. I worship you I worship you I worship you You are here you oh, are I here You are working am. in this place I worship, I worship you. you I worship you Sing it out You are way make miracle work promise keep Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are, yes. We make, miracle
3: work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God,
2: that is who you
3: are.
1: Sing, you are here. You are here. Touching every heart, touching Touching every every heart. 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 I work. stop working you will never stop working for me God for all of us you are a way maker God even though there are so many times when I know I I I can't see it God you are working you are in the center of it and I put my trust in you and so that is why I worship you that is why we worship your name and your name alone God because you are good and you have our best interests We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, it has been so great having Corey up here, worshiping with him again. (laughs) It's always great when he comes and visits us. So he's got another song that he's going to share with us tonight. So take it away.
3: Count the times I've called your name. Some broken nights you showed up and patched me up like you do every time. Like I forget that you keep coming around. Tell me is he God? He's God. He is. Good God Almighty. You say your love goes on forever, that your mercy never stops. So why would I assume you'd be somebody that you're not like the sun in the morning? be afraid Love him in the noon, love him when the sun goes down. when the sun goes down, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noon, Jesus when the sun goes
0: down. All right, thank you guys. All right, how we doing? Doing okay? It's not raining, it's not as cold. We're you here. just realized
4: you walked up here and after they just sang this great song about good God Almighty and you went... All right, uh, I felt like it, it, it needed more. Well, you know what? If you would hurry up and get out here, you could be first and you could
0: tell one them what you think.
4: Well, stairs are really tall.
0: Yeah, I know, you're out of breath. You gotta get your breath back. Okay, uh, anyway, glad that you guys are here. If you're watching online, thanks for watching. You know what, you've already kind of made fun of me. I feel like I should probably make fun of you for a moment here. Oh, why Is, not? Yeah, why not? Um, Bring so it on. Y- most of you guys, were you guys here last Saturday night? Who was here last, last Saturday night, regular Saturday? Okay, who was here Sunday morning last week? Was it anyone here Sunday morning? Okay, so we got a couple. So here's what's funny, is last week, we were, uh, we, it was cold. It was a very cold it was weekend. It cold. It's very cold. And um, you did your sermon great.
4: It was incredible. Awesome.
0: And, uh, and then the next morning, you called me at s- around 7 o'clock in the morning. Actually, I didn't call you you're right, your wife, uh, my mother, called me at 7 o'clock and said, hey, you know we have service in like two hours from now, your dad's not going to be able to make it. I said, just because it's cold outside? I know that he's old and fragile, but come on, man, like let's, let's man up, wear some mittens, get up there and make it happen. uh, Wear some mittens? I don't know, that's, I saw Charlie wore mittens last week when he was doing worship, and it's just stuck in my mind true? ever since. So, no way. Yeah, he did. And you know, they were the ones without the, the fingertips on them. You know, it's very cute. Anyway, uh, and so I got to do the sermon last weekend off the cuff. I got to make it up. So that's why you should be here in person. Those of you who are online and can be here in person, you never know what's going to happen.
4: And here's what's funny. I heard it was like your best sermon like in months. That's what I heard. That's rude. I'm serious.
0: No, it's not rude. <laughs> it's rude. It's not. I heard it was a great sermon. Really? I just heard it was so much better than the Saturday night. Anyway, it's fine. May, it's fine. That may also it's be fine. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Okay. So we're not doing the sermon together. Actually, there's so many things like announcements that are taking place that they said it was going to take both of us to get through all of them. So we better get started because we got to get through these. Okay. First one is, um, oh. So if you are new here, if you're, you know, even in this last season, all right, so let's just say you started coming to Seacoast um, since this whole pandemic, or you started watching online here, we have this thing that we have done for a few years now that we've become famous for, that we're bringing back, which are called... Butter bars, all right. And so butter bars are, ooh, yes, they're an incredible dessert. And so if you are new, please just go over to the uh, container, introduce yourself. They're not going to make you fill out anything. You just got to say, hey, here's my name, um, and I'm new here. And they're going to give you a butter bar, and you will be so happy that you did. All right. So make sure you go and you grab. But you have to come.
4: You you have to be here. If you're at home, don't don't email us. Don't. We're not sending anyone. Uh No. You got to come. You got to be here. Got to be here. Yeah. Get one. Okay. Yep. Good. Uh, so the other thing is, if uh, if you um, want to help with the food drive, we have still we're still handing out food to people. Lots of people um, handing out food to families who um, just are struggling right now. If you want to be a part of that, uh, it's February 6th from 9 to 11. The ranch house. Come by. You don't have to even get out of your car. You can just open your trunk. We'll get it out. And they need just basic stuff. You know, just basic stuff or even uh, gift cards for food. Um, and that would be great. That's February sixth. Ranch House, nine to eleven. Yeah. So uh, this next announcement
0: kind of surprised me. Is there's this thing called the, the the Super Bowl that's taking place in a couple weeks? I didn't even know we did sports anymore. To be honest with you, not that I w- knew before you, you, all you of don't this know that the there was
4: sports.
0: Yeah. Who's playing, by the way?
4: It is Kansas City and um, Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Young quarterback, old quarterback. Which one's going to win? Do you think? Young one young quarterback yeah I'm pretty sure what's his name again I can't remember Patrick Mahomes Mahomes. yeah Yeah.
0: see how I I knew that he's in a commercial anyway (laughs) anyway so we're doing uh we're doing a super we have this like we have these traditions and through this whole season we are keeping all the traditions alive we did December nights we did all that stuff and we do this Super Bowl where we have a whole field that takes place and we do some contests and it's usually Team Doyle against Team Cody and I don't want to brag, but last year I did win, so...
4: I don't want to brag, but the nine years before that, okay, you came in second. Hey, You're only as good as
0: your last, uh, as your last competition, so that's, I think I did take that, that one. That's what you keep saying. Yeah, okay. All right, so anyway, so be here because we're going to have food after. We're going to tailgate. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have some fun uh, activities that you can do. So just be here. It's a really fun service, and we, uh, we, we just have a blast at it.
4: So. Exactly. Okay. Good. All right, February 13, 14. All uh, our children's programs is going to be up and running. And so we've kind of, you know, there are some things that are more Wait, wait, important. wait. I feel
0: like you didn't build that up enough. What? I feel like you like you kind of just threw it out there. But it's been a year since we've had all of these programs on That's the weekend. True. So, it, like, you got to, like, here, let's, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Right. And you got to sell it, okay? So, like, Hey. You know, I've heard that there's a lot of parents out there with young people like young babies and like they're running around and they're just like, what do I do with this child for? Is an this hour? any better than what I just did? I
4: am not I'm not feeling the I'm not feeling the build, man. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling it. All right,
0: go try. All right, let's see what you got. So
4: there are some things more important than sitting at home and sheltering and trying to deal with work. you gotta do some things. And especially for the young people. And so we are making sure that now. Uh, uh, we are going to be opening for all the kids. Birth through uh, 12th grade, we're going to be open. We're going to be, be taking cars and all this kind of stuff.
1: There you go.
4: That's how you share the good news. <laughs> we're actually fired up, by it. the youth department is all fired up. They got all kinds of stuff. We're building special places for some of the kids because we don't want to spread them all over the campus. We want to keep them kind of close to the tent here, but also very safe, so we're building some new rooms. We're doing some great stuff. The children's department knocking out of the, apartment, uh, uh, knocking out of the park. It's a sports metaphor. You won't get it. And uh, anyway, they're doing a great job. It's going to be fun. So make sure you get your kids here for it.
0: Okay. So that means that um, if they're if they're uh, babies, toddlers, all the way up to junior high and high school are all going to be available on the weekends now. Exactly. Okay. So make sure you're here. And um, we, if you go on our Instagram and our Facebook, we've actually been posting all the construction pictures because we have remodeled a bunch of the rooms in order to make space so that we can conti- continue to keep everybody safe. Exactly. So it exactly. is going to be, I, I know stuff. I have lots of friends who are so excited for their babies to be gone for an hour. Okay. Um, oh, last one is you. Offering. Is that the one? See hey, thanks for your help, really. Yeah,
4: you couldn't have done it without me, right?
0: Okay, all right.
4: Hey, listen, uh, one of the things that's amazing to me, and, I, and is a constant source of amazement to me, is that we are still going, and still going strong, and you guys are still faithful in your giving, and I want to say thank you for your generosity. had a little hiccup at the end of the last year there, and it got taken care of, and so I just want to say thank you to all of you. Please continue to be generous. Give online. If you're here in person, you can give it one of the black boxes with the slots, not the square holes. Those are trash cans. Okay, so um, we're so grateful. Thank you guys for being so generous and, uh, and allowing us to continue to do ministry at the level we've been wanting to do it and, and, uh, and able to do it because of you. So thank you. So we're in this detox series, and today I want to talk about detoxing. Uh, we talk about detoxing your mind, i want to talk about detox. And we, I think we're either are or have talks about detoxing your body. I want to talk about detoxing your soul. And so here's the word. I want to kind of reframe. Uh, sometimes you need a fresh picture of something uh, to kind of get a fresh uh, angle on it. And so I want to give us a fresh picture of detox. Because you might be thinking, you know, from rehab, like drugs or something, or, or like spirulina. Do you know what that is? It's a cleansing thing that you drink and it cleans you out. Yeah, that's the picture. So let's go with a different one, all right? Let's go with a new one, and I kind of like this one just for today. And uh, it's about your your spirit, and it's about detoxing your spirit. So I have an old truck, and if that old truck sits in the garage for too long, it's hard to get started. And once I get it started, it runs terrible. It's just like blah, 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 blah. it's just terrible. And so what you got to do is you got to take it out and blow the cobwebs out. You know, you got to take it out and you got to get out of your neighborhood somewhere where there's you know you can make a little noise and you just kind of you got to blow the cobwebs out of that thing to get it running right. I feel like some of us are a little bit kind of gunked up in our spirits, uh, given what we've been through in the last, uh, last year or more. And I feel, and, I, and not just the pandemic, the policy, everything. And I feel like we're a little gunked up, and I just kind of feel like we ought to step on the gas a little bit and get it cleaned out. Just blow out the stuff, you know, just the, the nasty stuff. That, so all the guys are going, all the girls are going, I don't, okay, uh, so that's all right. Uh, yes, and I did just make a gender-specific reference, deal with it. So, um, <laughs> it's going to be one of those, uh-oh, here we go. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I just want to talk about, and I actually wrote this, began to write this message on a different passage, and and I prayed, and and just uh, the Lord said, no, nope, this is what you need to talk about. And so this is not an easy, it's not a, it's not like a fun goody-goody kind of deal. It's the kind of deal where you have to get some serious work done so you can get some some residue cleaned out of your spirit because stuff kind of parks in there. It kind of festers in there. And when it's in there, you can't live clean. You can't run free uh, for God. And so we want to kind of look at that today. So here it is in James uh, chapter four, verses one and following. Let me read uh, at least a portion of it for you. Here's what it says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. (laughs) He was in a mood too, I think. Uh, Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us tends toward envy. Now, that's kind of a weird translation, and I'm going to correct that for you because I think there's a better way to translate that. Um, But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now that's not really a kind of rejoicing, delightful kind of passage, but I want to tell you it's a way to get yourself clean. It's a way to kind of get the gunk out of your spirit and get free to move where God wants you to move. And so let's just begin with some things. Identify the toxins in your spirit. If you've got some toxins in your spirit, you got some stuff that needs to get moved out of there, identify what the toxicity is or they are and begin to work on them. A toxic soul is filled with some things. All of these things, by the way, are evidence of the futility of life without God. Just remember that. When you have toxins in your spirit, it means you're doing something outside of what God would intend. It's not going to work. It's not going to get you where you want to go, and it's just junk that needs to be blown out of there, all right? So let's begin with this. Um, uh, This quote. Anybody recognize this quote? Why can't we all just get along? Now, some of you said Rodney King. Some of you have no idea who Rodney King is. So it was both Rodney King and a lady on Nextdoor last week. You know Nextdoor, the app? Why can't we just all get along? And here is what's interesting. When I read it on the app uh, this, uh, this last week, uh, I looked at it and, went, and I said out loud, which to nobody in particular, because we are all fallen, sinful people, and it's not possible. See, it's a nice idea, love, peace, harmony, whatever it is, it's a nice idea. It just doesn't work because we're all gunked up. All of us are all gunked up on the inside. Why can't we all just get along? It's because there used to be a bumper stick around. I don't see it much anymore. And it said, N-O, God, N-O, peace. And under it said, K-N-O-W, God, K-N-O-W, peace. The truth is without God, we're not gonna have peace with each other. The truth is the gunk inside of us is gonna cause us to be sided with each other. One of the ways you can tell that you're all gunked up inside is because you're in conflict with others. You're either blaming someone or you're overly competitive with people or you're impatient with people and people begin to be the target for whatever you're not feeling good about on a given day. If you find your fuse getting shorter and shorter, your kind of ability to deal with folks getting getting minimal uh, and and you just you are going to realize that you got some gunk in your soul. You, if you're not uh, kind of uh, dealing with people, you need to reread the first part of this. James 4, here's where it comes from. It's not them. One of the easy things we like to do is blame them. It's them. It's, it's the other drivers, in my case. It, it's, it's, it's not them. Necessarily. I mean, they may or may not be bad or good drivers, but the point is your reaction to it is not them. It is you. James 4, 1 and 2 says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? In other words, the walls between us are caused by the desires inside of us. I heard someone once say, Well, you've finally grown up when you stop blaming your parents for everything. The reality is we have finally grown up spiritually. We stop blaming others for whatever is wrong and start looking first at ourselves and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what is gunked up in here? What kind of desires within me might be causing this? And it says you go and you kill, you covet, you cannot have and you quarrel and you fight and all this stuff. Whenever we get outside of God's will, we get all gunked up inside. We get toxic at a soul level. We have conflict. We have tension. We have all this stuff. Um, And it's not that we shouldn't disagree with each other. There are people that we should disagree with. There are people we should vehemently disagree with. But if I'm living in tension, if I'm living in conflict internally because of this, it's not that. It is a soul issue. And so what happens is we get these walls that build up. So first sign of toxicity in your soul is that you're short with people, is that you're in conflict with people. Or you may be in conflict with entire nations or or political parties, whatever it might be, and it's just got you all twisted up inside. A little toxicity in your soul needs to get cleansed up. Second thing is yearnings. Yearnings that can't be fulfilled and may not even be able to be articulated. It just feels like there ought to be there ought to be something more. There ought to be something better. You combine these two by you walk around feeling like you've been mistreated or offended or you're look for opportunities to be offended. You put those first two together. And so this idea of yearnings is, yeah, I want something. I don't always know what it is. You ever stand in front of a refrigerator with the door open? Just going, I want something. I just, there's a lot of people who live their entire lives going, I want something. I just can't figure out what it is, right? And a lot of us think we know what it is. If, and it's kind of, we get the case of the if onlys. If, if only I had this amount of money, or if only the pandemic would end, or if only, if only, if only. And that's the thing holding us back from happiness and the life that we wanted. The reality is it's not. Um, here's a question. We all want more of something. Can we ever get enough of that? Of the things that we desire, we can get enough of taxes, that's not a problem. We, you know, we've had enough of that, right? But the question is, of things that we desire, can we ever get enough? Is there ever enough available that will bring us to whatever think, place we think it's gonna bring us to? And the truth is, it will not. Yearnings make us human. There's an author suggested that it's our yearnings, it's our desire for more that makes us different than the animals. The animals don't go around yearning, they go around hunting or gathering, or whatever it is they happen to do, or or grazing, and they don't think about, if I could get some more tomorrow, they just take what they need today, and they don't yearn. But we as humans yearn, and there is a reason for that. That is a part of what sets us apart. Uh, To be human is to yearn. But at some point, and here is the issue, we have to come to a place where we admit that we cannot get in life what we yearn for. We cannot get the life that we desire. We can't get there because this yearning is for something beyond uh, the physical, beyond the uh, immediate. It is something of divine origin and nature. And this is our first step toward authentic spirituality. And so if you are experiencing yearnings, what would it take for you to come to a place to realize that the yearnings cannot be met in and of this world, under the sun, if you will, to use the phrase from Ecclesiastes what would it take for you to admit that what I desire is beyond monetary? It's even beyond relational, human relationships or achievements or acquisitions, whatever it might be. What I really want is something more. And how do I find that when we come to that question, we begin to come to grips with one of the, one of the things in our soul, one of the toxins in our soul, the false belief that I can get myself to the life that I, that I really desire on the deepest levels. That is toxic thinking. It is not true. It leads us to believe that we're in charge and we are not. And then, uh, so he says in James, verse two, in the very next section here, he says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, whatever, and it's not like, oh, you just gotta ask God, then he'll give you the Cadillac or the, I don't know, Escalade, I don't know. No, that's not the point of this. The point is what you really want is something that can only come from God. In other words, all the yearning, all of the seeking after, all the striving for is something that can only come from God. And so you can try to seek it in all places in the world, or you can go to the one who can actually give it to you and ask God for what your deepest desires are, what the life that you've always desired is. You can ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. You're seeking the wrong thing in the wrong place. And you're seeking someone, something greater from someone greater is what you're really after. And until you realize that you got a little sickness in the soul, you got to detox that and get that out of there. And by the way, this detox isn't a once kind of thing. Every time I park my truck and I leave it there for a few weeks, I got to fire that sucker up and get it cleaned out again, blow the cobwebs out. What happens is it settles back in. And this kind of thinking I may have at one time said, I'm a Christian. The most important thing is Jesus. The most important thing is going to The most important thing is loving God. And then this other thought is, but I can make myself happy if I just get what I want. I, how many times have I talked to a, a person, a Christian, dating a non-Christian? I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. He's the most important thing. But I can help this person. And it's going to work out because I know better than God. It's not. It's either this or it's this. That's what you're going to find in this passage. There are two options in life. I'm going to, to live by his wisdom, or I'm going to live by mine. So first one is conflict. The first thing you got to get blown out of there is conflict. Uh, and just as constant conflict at all times with everybody everywhere. And the other one is yearnings. Yearnings that you think that if, when, then kind of thinking. It's not true. And then the third one I'll call blurred lines, to borrow a phrase from a song, I think. Um, and uh, And I have heard a lot of people say this recently, and I have said it myself. And it says this, nothing, it's something like this. Nothing is as clear as it used to be. There's a lot of gray in the world right now. Um, it's hard to know what's true right now. Things are all mixed up. When things start to get mixed up, things get a little gray, they get a little fuzzy in your brain. What's right? What's wrong? You may be focusing on the wrong things. You may be taking in the wrong information. You may be all about the wrong thing. That's a pretty good indication you've got some toxins in your soul. And we need to stop. Here's what James says when you ask, and so even if you realize God is the answer to the questions, the ultimate questions in your life, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. In other words, you're still, you're saying, okay, I'm reaching up, but I want to kind of live down here. I still want it here. I want my pie here and now. I'm not going to trust God for it to be forever. I want it. And he says, you ask the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You're still putting your hope in this world, in this stuff, in, 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 in what you originally thought was going to make you happy. And you haven't fully changed your allegiance. And so that, that blurred lines thing, when things start getting fuzzy, things, what happens is we lose clarity. We're unsure of wh- where we can find the truth. And, and I've heard this a lot, and I, I feel this way too oftentimes it's about things happening in our world, whether it's pandemic, politics, whatever it might be. I'm not sure who to listen to, because I think everybody's lying right now. I just, I'm, I'm kind of giving up on everybody. I think they're lying. That's why I'm not doing any media and all that stuff. I just, I just need to just listen to here, right here. That's why I need to listen for a while, and let's get this thing straightened out. So we lose clarity. If we lose clarity, we lose perspective. Because if I don't know what truth is, then how do I know how to think about something? Perspective. If I, if I can't understand what is true, I don't know what to value. If we're confused about truth, it's kind of like being rolled. Have you ever been out at the ocean and you just got knocked down by a wave and just rolled around on the bottom? That happened to me one time. Uh, and and I'm, a, I'm from like the Midwest where, you know, oceans don't exist. And uh, and I was out there, and I was swimming with all these guys, all grew up serving and stuff, and I'm swimming, and there's kind of a double break. It was after a baptism, and so the, the, I went out there, and the first, uh, first break kind of knocked me down. I went, oh, I'll just swim under. So I got to the bottom and swam. Popped up just in time for the second break to hit me. Eight times in a row that sucker knocked me down. By about time number six, I didn't know which way was up. I was feeling around, trying to feel the bottom, to know which way to try to swim. I was in trouble, man. I think of a lot of us are swimming in our lives, we don't know which way is up. You ever hear a pilot flying in fog and, and, and goes to go up and instead they go down? Because they're confused. I think we have a lot of people living in a world where they don't know what's true, they've lost clarity, they've lost perspective. If I don't know what's true, then I don't really know how to be and I don't know what to do. And I think if we lose clarity, we lose perspective, we, we have no priorities. We have no idea what to invest ourselves in, what to, what to do in our relationships. If, if, there, if we don't know what's right or what's wrong, if we don't know how to choose what's first and what's last, James says, again, when you ask, you do not receive. You ask with wrong motives. We're confused about what even to ask for. And so if we... See, any of these, and there are a whole bunch of others. These are the three that I kind of drew out of this passage and kind of reminded me of. If there's, if there's ongoing, consistent conflict going on relationally in your world, if you have this yearning, there ought to be more. There ought to be something better. There ought to be something else than what I'm experiencing. And if there's blurred lines, I'm not quite sure what's true. I'm not sure what's right. I'm not sure what the priorities are anymore. I'm off balance in this deal. If any of those are true, you may have some toxins in your soul that need to be dealt with. So the question then is, how do we deal with them? And here is what James would say. James says, stop being friends with the world. Stop being friends with the world. Now, first of all, for some of us, that kind of that strikes us wrong because, well, I like my friends who live in this world. No, no, listen. The world, in this case, cosmos, the world is the system that Satan has in place to fool people, to tempt people, to entangle, enslave, and trip people up. That is the world that is being referenced here. It is not about friends. It is about a system, the fashionable sins of a world. By the way, you know the passage about the transforming of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? That passage talks specifically about this same issue, the world in which you live, where the popular sense, it could be materialism, it could be, it could be sexual impurity, it could be all of the above. Anything that Satan has put in it as a system in a world, it could be injustice, it could be any number of things, anything that Satan has put in, in, in place in the world, that is in opposition to God's work of loving him and loving each other. That is the world he's talking about. And so he is saying, um, he's saying, well, let me read what he says. James 4, 4 through 6. You adulterous people. Now, the reason he says this is God's people have often been thought of, a little biblical lesson here, hang in there, we'll get through it. A little biblical lesson is God's people, the church specifically, has been thought of as the bride of Christ the bride of Christ. And when he calls us adulterous people, he is saying you are a bride that is cheating on your husband. He is saying you as a church, by playing games with and entertaining this other way of living, this, this uh, way, destructive way of living in the end, you are cheating on your relationship with God. He's trying to make it very graphic he wants us to understand that's how this is. And, and it'll go further and explain a little more here in a moment. So, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the jealous he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? That's a more accurate translation, by the way. And What he's saying is that he created us. He gave us a spirit that we could commune with God, that we could have a relationship with God. And, and when we choose to settle for lesser things, then we are cheating on God and misusing this gift of life that he's given us. Now, this is probably the most common sense passage in all of scripture, if you understand it. It is something we all deal with. So right now, a lot of us are fasting some of us are fasting food, I'm um, fasting some food. Um, some of us are fasting um, screen time. Some are fasting alcohol, um, uh, which is probably when you should continue, like forever. I'm just saying. I'm not judging, I'm just suggesting. Um, you would probably say to me, then you should continue to fast food, and you would be right. So, fair enough. Glad we had that conversation. So, um, here is the deal. As we are fasting this, we are giving up something so that we can focus on something greater. Because the, not not ju- the point is not just not having this. The point is not having this so that I can spend more time doing this, praying, spending time with God, focusing on what really matters. And so I give up some of this to get this. That, that's a, a, a part of, uh, of what we're trying to do here. What this passage is pointing out is there's two ways to live your life. If you want to be a part of the bride of Christ, if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, you want, to be a, you want to be in the Jesus life, then you live this way. If you don't want to be in the Jesus life, then you live this way, which is Satan's way. That's what he's making clear. And we can all say, I don't believe in Satan, I don't believe in evil. I've seen enough evil. I've seen enough evil that I know that it's not just bad uh, upbringing or you know, poor uh, nurturing. Whatever I have seen, I have seen evil. I have seen awful evil, child soldiers in Africa, uh, IDP camps so three-year-olds dying of AIDS in a, next to a pile of human excrement. I have seen evil. And when I read this passage, that last picture, graphic as it was, is the one that came to my mind. Because here's what we think. We think that we look at something that's a little off color. We think we just kind of toy with an idea. It's kind of, We're just playing with it. And what God sees is us playing in a pile of, you know what, He's trying to make this graphic for us. You're either going to live God's life, or you're going to settle for this other awful, destructive, dangerous thing. And that's why he says such a strong word. You adulterous people, and he calls, them, adults, he calls them sinners, he's enemies of God. He's trying to say, no, don't play, don't be friends with bad philosophy, bad theology, bad ideas. So what does this look like? He's saying, oh, you're getting really graphic. It's kind of gross. All right, well, let's talk about your life man, A little bit of porn. What's a big deal, right? It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. Everybody, statistically, almost everybody, really. Just you know, it's a, it's just a little bit. And he would say, Why? Why would you? You're not playing with something. You're involved with something, and it's extremely dangerous. That is toxic. That is more toxic than you can possibly know. Not only is your relationship with God, but your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with yourself. It is toxic. Why would you play with that? Let's pick on the men again. The Bible says that I'm to be true to my wife. Now, if there's no God, who really cares? I mean, yeah, she'll be upset and she might shoot you, but what's the big deal? But if there is a God and there is this possibility of a life that is beyond what I can self-generate, that was intended for me from my very birth and before, and that will go on forever. If that is the reality, why would I even want to play games over here? But we do. We 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 look at that and we go, ah, oh, be really nice, it'd be really fun, and be good for a while. It's this over here, this over here, this over here, this this here. cheat on the cheat on the business deal, whatever it might be. And yet he is saying, no, 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 no. Do not give in to that. Those are toxins in your soul. Get rid of them, get rid of the possibility of them. Don't even think about those. And by the way, he does say exactly that. Don't even think about that stuff. Because you have chosen to be a child of God. You have chosen to be the bride of Christ. You have chosen a life that will last forever, that has meaning and purpose beyond anything over here. Because we already decided you can't find it over here. Goes on. And he says this. Or you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for a spirit he's caused cause through all us. In other words, God created us to have relationship with us. And whenever he's outside of that, God is, is unhappy by that. And then he says, But he gives more grace. In other words, even those who are struggling, from time to time playing with thoughts over here, playing with ideas over here, playing with a little bitterness and just keeping it as a pet, doing that stuff that is so destructive and so toxic to your soul, he says. But even for you, there is grace. He gives us grace if you will just turn to him. He goes on, it says, this is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. If God is on the side of the, of the humble and is in opposition to the proud, where do I want to be? <laughs> this isn't easy, no-brainer, right? I want to be with God. I want to be on his side. And so therefore, if what it takes is to humble myself, I will humble myself. You say, "Well, after this last year, I'm not proud. This has been a rough year." Yeah, but pride is not just—it's not just what you think. Pride can also be, "Well, I know better," or "or I'm in control of this thing," or "I want to do it my way," or, or whatever it might be. That's that—that that can also be pride. If I look at myself and I see pride, and pride can even just look like being friendly with the enemy, being friendly with the enemy, just a little too friendly with those thoughts, with those attitudes. Just entertaining those possibilities just a little bit too long. I think it was Luther who once said that you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can certainly stop it from building a nest there. In other words, if I go back to that same thought, the second, the third time, that is so destructive, it's so, so outside of God's will, and I don't ask God for help to deal with that thing, then I'm kind of entertaining it. And yet his grace is sufficient if we'll just ask him. And we can just stop choosing that side. And with God's help, say, nope, I want to do this God's way. I'm going to let, yes, I was wrong. Yes, I was offended. Yes, what that person did was wrong. But I'm going to let go of that because there's nothing I can do about it. Lord, I'm going to let you worry about that. I'm going to live in grace. I'm going to live in your kingdom. I want to live in alignment with you. I want to humble myself and trust you to take care of the outcomes. I don't need to be in charge of them. And so we stop being a friend with the world. And we position ourselves for God's favor. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. There is this possibility in life that life is hard and it's difficult, and it may or may not have meaning in the end. And I'm going to get as much as I can, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry while I can. And that's one way to think about life. But it's not a great way to think about eternity. And so he says, choose. Do you think that's all there is or is there more? If there is a God, there's more. If there is a God, he has an eternal perspective and destination for you. And you want that. And so he says, walk away from the the short-term party, feel good, escape thing. And walk over here to God and do what you need to do to get right with God. And in order to do, to do that, you've got to humble yourself. If you humble yourself, there's a great future ahead of you now and forever. So he says, he gives us a list of 10 commandments. Sounds familiar. There's another one like that somewhere. Submit, if, and the first one is submit. If God opposes the proud, I want to submit to God. I want to humble myself and say, God, you know better than me. You know better than me. So oftentimes, my faith just boils down to this. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but you know better than me, and I trust you. You know better than me and we quit trying to satisfy our own desires, quit trying to meet our own needs, quit trying to find that pleasure that doesn't get us anywhere, and we say, I submit to you. You know better. And as we understand that He knows better, we begin to be obedient. And so he says, submit, and then he says, resist. Some of us, as simple as tonight, could just sit down and talk to God and say, God, these thoughts have been haunting me. I've been playing with these thoughts. I've been entertaining these thoughts. I don't think I would ever act on them, Lord, but these thoughts are not honoring to you. I ask you right now to help me, and I'm going to tell Satan to to go, to resist, to turn those thoughts, because you need to understand the origins of those thoughts. Those thoughts didn't just show up. They showed up to destroy. They showed up to kill and destroy and to steal from you the life that God has for you. That's what Satan does. Those thoughts, Lord, with your help, I'm going to resist Satan. I'm going to tell him to flee. I'm not going to entertain those. And if I have to tell him to flee every minute for the next hour, I'm going to do that because I'm going to trust in you, God, because you have a better idea. So resist. And then come near. Come near to God. You can't make both pleasure and God your priority. You have one priority, and it needs to be God. And if it's God, then I'm going to come near to God. He'll take care of the rest. I can come near to him. Come near. He's waiting. He's willing. He's so patient. One of the words you'll see in my prayer time very often is patience. God, I can't believe you're so patient with me. And then it says, wash your hands. This is about your external behavior. Change your behavior. My mom, my mom's funny. My mom is, uh, she's, uh, she's a character. She's watching. Hi, mom. And, uh, and she told me a story. I haven't asked her permission, but <laughs> she's not traveling right now, so I'm safe. And, uh, and she told me a story, and it's about a guy in the church. She's been a part of, uh, my dad it was on staff there until in, in he passed, and, and they've been a part of this church. My brother pastors and started uh, for over 20 years, and they've known these people a long time. And she was telling me a story about calling a young man over. Now, I happen to know this young man. She called him a young man. He's 45. But anyway, she called this young man over. He hadn't been to church in a while. And she'd heard some rumors that he was out messing around and cheating on his wife and doing some stuff, I think. And, and she, called, she called him over and said, come here. I could say his name. I remember his name. Said, uh, call him by name. Said, come here. Why don't you straighten up and act right? Now, you're not going to tell a woman of her age and her maturity that she can't say that to you. Because she's known you for almost 25 years. And she can say that to you. And she should say that to him. And he acknowledged, yeah, you're right. I need to do better. I need to do different. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of environment I actually want to be in. I want to be in the kind of environment where it's not just the Holy Spirit Spirit telling me to straighten up and act right. But if any of you see me doing something wrong, I want you to come to me in love, I don't want you to broadcast it, you know, on the networks. Not the first time, anyway. Catch me a second time, fair game. I'm not talking about doing something obvious, sinful. I'm not going to shoot anybody in the parking lot. But if you see me talking to someone or having an attitude, the people in my life that I care about, they, they are required to. I ask them to come and confront me if I'm not acting right. If I need to wash my hands, if I need to change some behavior, and I'm not seeing it, or I'm, I'm ignoring it, You can help me get there, do it. Because we need to be willing to coach each other and encourage each other to wash your hands, to get in line with God, get our souls detoxed. And the second part of that is purify your hearts. This isn't just straighten up, but this is, my mom, the other part of her, straighten up and act right, is it's either straighten up and act right or straighten up and fly right. Well, this passage is straighten up and think right. Even your thoughts and your motives are being challenged here. Put those under the, under the spotlight of uh, the Holy Spirit and begin to deal with those and let God guide you out of that toxicity in your soul. If you're carrying bitterness towards someone or someone has hurt you, I understand we can all get people, we can gather people around us who all tell us how awful it is and how mean they are. The problem is at the end of that little complaining session, that little pity party, none of us are better off. None of us are more like Jesus. We're just a little closer to the enemy's territory. It's quiet. You know how quiet it is? Because that's good preaching, that's why. And then he goes on and he says, and he says, he says, grieve, mourn, wail. He's contrasting the party life, if you will. Go out, get yourself a new car. Get you what makes feels good, you know. Have another gallon of ice cream, whatever it is that makes you feel good. He's saying that's not going to get you there. The short-term fixes don't get you. They just wake up with a headache in the morning. What he's saying is you need to look at what you really did. Don't try to forget the situation you're in. Look at what you really have done. Remember it. Be sorrowful for it so that you can move through it uh, to a place of wholeness, without without feeling uh, the pain of repentance the sobriety, the regret for seeking wrong ways of fulfillment or avoidance or distraction without doing those things, we never get to a place of full appreciation of what Christ did for us. I am a big proponent of repentance. I think repentance, it's a scary word and most people don't like it, but I am telling you, it is one of the greatest things in the world when you can say, I am sorry, and mean it, and get a fresh start. It's a great thing in marriage. It's a great thing as kids or with your kids. Repentance is a powerful part of being a growing spiritual being, a Christian. He says, grieve, mourn, wail. Understand that you've messed up, that you cheated on God. Understand that. He doesn't beat yourself up. He doesn't say live in that thing forever, but enter into that place so you can feel it. And he goes on, He says, in essence says, change your attitude, turn your laughter to mourning and, and your joy to gloom. Sorrowful repentance. It's required to understand how much God has done for us. It's okay to go there, it's okay to blow it. But know this, that when you repent, God takes, I had a conversation with God this week. By the way, I have no idea what time it is. They didn't give me a clock. We are gonna be here all night. Well, look at that, we're already over. And I got 45 minutes left. Well, hang on, I'll talk fast. So here's the deal. I had a conversation with God this week. And I was just like, I remembered something that I'd done in my past. Something so stupid. I was a teenager, maybe. And it was just so stupid and just embarrassing and dumb and destructive and awful. And and I was just praying, God, forgive me for that. And then I got this thought. He's like, why are you asking me for forgiveness? You're the one who remembers that, not me. Why are you asking me? I forgave that. The minute you repented, I forgave that. You're the one wanting to carry it around. You're the one to take it back and feel bad about it. You're done with it. You are done with it. I am done with it. Let's be done with this. You see, the only way to get to that point of freedom, not having to carry the guilt and trying to go around self-justifying all the time, the only way to get there is to enter in through repentance and mourning. It's not like a forever thing. It's like a heartfelt few minutes with God in which I say, I am sorry, and God takes it. According to scripture, it takes my sin and throws it in the deepest sea, and it never gets thrown in my face again unless I choose to let it get thrown in. It won't be by God. It is a wonderful gift to us when God calls us to repentance. And then finally, he says, humble yourselves. Humble yourself by repenting of transferring your affection from God to the temporary pleasures of this world. That's how you get your soul cleaned out. That's how you detox your soul. That's how you blow the cobwebs out of that thing. You get the gunk out. That's how you do it. You do it with God, and you do it in earnest, and you do it. And then he says, in verse 10, here's where we're getting to, by the way. And you don't get to skip any of the verses before that to get there. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. How, how much better off are you when God lifts you up versus when you try to lift yourself up? When God lifts you up, puts you in a place of meaning and purpose and significance, of service in His kingdom, a place that will impact Forever. When God puts you in a place, when God lifts you up, when God gives you joy, it surpasses anything that you were going to self-generate that was going to collapse anyway. When God lifts you up, relational walls begin to crumble. You don't have all that anger with all the other people who keep trying to step on people. Joy is abundant. You start realizing why you're here and that God wants to give you more than you could possibly imagine and that heaven is real. And because that is real, you know how to live on this side. Because loving God and loving others is what it's about now, just as it'll be what it's about then. You know what life is about. It's clear. Suddenly you have clarity. You have perspective. You have priority straightened out because your gunk has been cleaned out of your soul. So, that was fun. Here's how I want to end this. I would like to invite you to repentance. I didn't plan this for the band. Guys, you're gonna have to wing it. Is Mike down there somewhere? I just need a little background music. I just need something like meditative, something like that. You got something like that? He's like, nope. Here's how I'd like us to end here and at home. I'd like us to just take a few minutes and, and uh, I'm not even gonna dismiss. I'd like us to just take a few minutes and just think about have we been a little too friendly with some aspects of the world's philosophy? Some aspects of stuff that's not good for us, stuff that's self destructive, stuff that's rooted in anger or bitterness or lust or greed or whatever. And do we just need to repent of it? There's a thing in the churches I grew up in which is kind of different and we don't do it and it was kind of emotional and kind of glad we don't, except sometimes. They had an altar call, and they would just say, if you need to come talk to God about something and get something right, just come do that. And you got to, you got to repent. you got to get a fresh start. Maybe today you're here, or you're at home, and you're watching, and you need to repent of something. You know you've been a little too close, a little too friendly with the enemy. You've been playing footsies over there with something that's just not right. Or maybe you've been all in, and you need to repent of that. You need to get out of that thing. You need to get back to God. You need to get right with God. Maybe this, this is how you need to do it right here, right now. Maybe you just need to sit here for a few minutes and just blow the cobwebs out of that thing and get the gunk out and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And you know what? If, if there's a couple of tears involved in that, that might be God washing your conscience clean. I just think repentance is an incredible thing. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray for us. Um, we're not gonna dismiss. I'm gonna ask Mike just to play a whatever, for a few minutes. And if you just want to sit and pray, you're welcome to do that. Rest of us are kind of going to leave quietly as we go, and, and just thank God for the privilege of getting right with God, and to be free, and to be lifted up by Him, because it is a gift. Lord God, we love you. You, you love us first, and that's the most amazing thing. But in loving us, Lord God, you have expectations of us. Not punitive not punishing us when we mess up, but inviting us to live a better life, to lift us up to a better way of thinking, a, a better set of values, a better set of understanding and principles in life, and yes, a better relationship, one with you. And so today, right now, in this, in this relational faith that we have, with this relationship with you, that... Is the most important thing, knowing you and loving you and loving each other. In this, we got some stuff. We just let some gunk drip down into our soul and we're all gunked up and we need to get rid of it. And the only way to get rid of it is just to turn to you and and repent. And so Lord God, today we just repent. Repent of the selfishness, repent of the self-pity. Repent of the anger and the bitterness. Repent of the dependency on things that are not of you. We repent of entertaining ideas that are not honoring to you and aren't going to grow us at all. And Lord, we repent of trying to do life on our own and thinking we know better. And Lord, we repent of letting the affections that we were created to have for you and the relationship we we're intended to have with you, we've allowed those to drift into something so much less and so so toxic. Lord, we repent. We just say, I'm sorry. Lord, we know you're not going to hold it over our heads forever, beat us up over it. You're going to forgive us because that's what you do. That's what you promised to do. If we'll sincerely repent, you will forgive us and embrace us and lift us up, give us a life so much more in line with what you intend and what we always wanted. So Lord God, today we come to you and we thank you for the privilege of repenting of humbling ourselves, of submitting ourselves, of doing a good spring cleaning on our heart and our soul. And Lord God, we receive in return your unconditional love, your forgiveness, your affirmation, your warm embrace. Lord God, we love you. Thank you for loving us.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. You can always join us online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.